Today's episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSense, an expert interview transcript library that integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Start your free trial at www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co slash PMC. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. Thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. Do me a quick favor. If you like what you hear at Planet Microcap, please take two seconds and give us five stars on Spotify or Apple. This helps with the search engine so that more folks can also discover and engage with all things microcap stocks. Our next investor conference is coming up. The Planet Microcap Showcase Vancouver on September 6th and 7th, 2023 at the Fairmont Waterfront, Vancouver. We have announced initial presenting companies, sponsors, and speakers who include Dave Barr from Pender Fund, Harold Leishman and Brent Todd from Canaccord, Ryan Irvin from Keystone Financial, Hamid Shabazi from Well Health Technologies, and of course, Paul Andriola from Small Cap Discoveries. Be sure to check out the website to learn more and to register and to attend. Please go to planetmicrocapshowcase.com. See you in Vancouver. My guest on the show today is Paul, a small and microcap investor, better known by his Twitter handle at investment I D E E N. Uh, he preferred that he stayed, you know, relatively pseudo anonymous here, so that's why it's Paul and then his uh, Twitter handle here. So uh, he recently published a thread on how Paul Andriola and Brandon Mackey's investing framework. Uh, and I quote here, the small cap discovery framework has impacted his investing process. The thread is in the show notes, by the way, as well. Paul and Brandon are great friends of Planet Microcap and the presentation they did on this framework back in 2016. I was actually in the room for that. Uh, not to mention how many times both of them have been on the podcast, kind of discussing it you know, a little bit here and there. So I thought it was really cool that Paul found this framework and has been able to extrapolate from there a small microcap strategy that works for him. We talk about the framework, how Paul implements it, and some examples of investments he's made where he's benefited as well as made mistakes. Thank you again for tuning in to the Planet Microcap podcast. And please enjoy my conversation with Paul, also known as at investment I-D-E-E-N on Twitter. Paul, thank you for joining me today. How you doing, man? Robert, thank you for, for inviting me to, to, your, to your podcast. I, I'm doing great. What about you? Oh, you know, just another day in paradise, just uh, trying to stay cool in these hundred degree uh, heats out here in California. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not as, you know, uh, balanced weather right now, like it is in Frankfurt, I'm sure, but you know, we're making it work. I mean, it sounds like a good place to, to spend your time, I guess. Oh, you know, we're, 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 we're doing all right. But, you know, I, the reason I invited you on today, and we had actually been going back and forth for like quite a few months about, you know, what, you know have coming on the podcast an idea of what we want to talk about on here and you know you actually uh 
fortunate, you know, uh, you, you put out this amazing thread um, not that long ago um, where you uh, basically it's the small cap discovery. Uh, 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 I guess I'll say it's a thread, but it's a framework that you used and have applied to your own uh, investing style and, and how you look at potential ideas and ultimately invest in them. And uh, that was you were inspired from a couple friends of mine, uh, Paul Andreola from Small Cap Discoveries, as well as Brandon Mackey, uh, no longer a Small Cap Discovery, but all, but the homie nonetheless. And, um, you know, I just wanted to have you on and talk a little bit further about that because I thought it was a really great thread. And, you know, I'm sure we can always dig a little deeper. But before we do all that, I wanted to, you know, get a little bit of your background, you know, for folks that may not be familiar with you, you know, how'd you get involved in investing in finance? Oh, it's it's not uh, not that of an exciting story to be fair. Uh, I would try to keep it as short as possible. So it was uh, I was it was in high school. I was just considering what do you do uh, after high school, and I thought uh, I figured out this profession of a uh, hedge fund manager. I thought this sounds very interesting. So I started with trading and and uh, CFDs and all this this bullshit from where you can't just count any money. And that's why I usually started. But uh, to make it short, I, I I met a guy who is today fund manager, a good friend of mine. Um, everything that I learned about investing, I learned from him. So I would say around seventy percent. That's uh, he was very helpful, and I just found a passion in in, in discovering investments. And it started like usually with with some mega caps, uh, and then over time you just get smaller and smaller, and you just get more experience. You read more, and yeah, I think. It's now 12 years since I started investing and um, more or less that's my career. Uh, I've, I've been an intern for a few hedge funds here in Germany, but uh, yeah, it's, and yeah, I don't know what to add, but that's more or less the short story to, to all of this. Uh, I had some success, I had some failures and um, uh, I had some some key moments that that. Uh, had a huge impact on my whole thinking process. Uh, and yeah, happy to to talk a little bit about one of those today, which is uh, the discovery process, as you mentioned by by Brandon Mackey and Paul Andreola. Very cool. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. But one thing on your background, because it's right there on your, your Twitter uh, bio. So I have to ask, you know, you also are former M&A at uh, Constellation Software, CSU on the TSX, you know, you want to as as little as much or as little as you want to address that love love to hear a little more about that experience because i mean hey for better or worse constellation software is definitely a cult name amongst the small microcap crew i mean you, you know um mark leonard so the 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 point is i usually don't try to to, to talk too much about my experience at constellation um because i know how how much of secret usually csi is so yeah, I've been there partially. So I've been there for three years before I decided to quit. Um, I've been doing M and A and deal origination for this company, and yeah, I've decided just after three years that uh, I have to do something on my own. So that was the reason why I quit. Uh, yeah, you really don't want to talk too much about it. Well, I figured we'd leave it at that. I, it's on the bio, so I had to ask, right? You know, I, I, everyone would be like, the guy said he's this. Like, you know, we gotta no, Robert, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> you know, always welcome if someone asks about it. So yeah, it gives a little bit of credibility, to be fair. I don't know why, but people consider if you work for Constellation, you know a little bit, at least a little bit, you know? 
So yeah, it's, it was definitely something I, I like to put them up. I mind. mean, that's that was the first 13,000 followers on Twitter. You know, once you put that, I was like, oh, Constellation Software, we got to give this guy a follow. <laughs> I mean, that definitely bad helped. Joke, bad uh, it's def- no, it definitely helped, Robert. <laughs> that's what I can tell you. All right, very good. All right, well, so now you're on your own. You know, you're at, well, I mean, I know you also have a full-time gig, but, you know, you're on your own as a microcap investor. You know, you're really getting after it there. You know, like I said, at the top, you put out this uh, this amazing thread going through the small cap discovery process and the framework there. You know, what inspired you to adopt this framework? And, and would you say you've adopted it fully? Or are there aspects of it that you kind of pick and choose and then use some of your other experience um, and kind of overlay that. So I'd love to hear more there. So I, I think this framework is brilliant. And the reason for that is because it changed a lot of my thinking pattern. I mean, as an investor, usually when you when you look at a company and uh, you start asking questions like, hey, why is this company cheap? Is it cheap for a reason? And if you think about this this framework by, by the discovery process, you realize you start thinking differently about investing. So partially, uh, it made me think about, first of all, from a supply and demand side. So on the one side, you have shareholders, so legacy shareholders who just want to get rid of their shares. Maybe they're unhappy, maybe they're stuck for a lot of years in an illiquid company. So you start thinking about something like that. On the other side, you start thinking about, okay, um, if you have a demand side, you have new shareholders willing to buy the shares. So you think about imbalances. And, and sometimes it's not just because you're missing something because it's cheap. Sometimes it's just the reason that uh, you have an oversupply in in, in, in in shares and not as, as much demands. So which is sometimes an opportunity, which is why you can't can find opportunities that are not, not yet fully discovered, still trading at single digit pr- price to earnings multiples, growing into some uh, di- double digits. And this helped me a lot with coming to the conclusion that sometimes investing doesn't have to be that much complicated. You don't have to make a thesis, which is uh, contrary to the market. Sometimes as simple as there are just more sellers than buyers which is why you can buy a company at a discount compared to what it's actually worth. Um, so this was one of the things. The second thing is, the second thing is, which was, which made me, uh, what, what I adopted from, from this process was how they found these ideas. So it's, they, 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 um, they share that they usually start reading quarterlies. Uh, I never did that. I was reading annual reports, but never did read quarterlies. So they're looking for two, two consensus, uh, so two follow-up quarters of earnings, a profitable um, of, of profits and, and profit growth or revenue growth. And this made me think about, okay, that's probably the fastest way to be one of the first guys who discovers a company before everybody else um, would find it. So those have been two of the, the, the concepts that I apply to my own process. Um, there are probably a few more that just don't come to my mind, but I think um, it made a lot. And, and the third one is usually that I, I realized that microcap micro cap investing is no different from large cap investing. And this was one another realization. So after, after reading this, I, I mean, to, to get a few steps back, um, I found this this discovery process before I so first of all you you know it but um, 
Brendan Mackey has uh, had a blog which was called Marmotology. So I remember I came across this blog and I was reading through it. He was exp explaining Expel at this time. I remember that. So I was very fascinated. Was the time was just okay. I want to do microcasts, but I have no idea how it's how to do that. I thought it was very speculative. There is a lot of trash, a lot of money losing companies. So and I started spending more time. So I found this video and I um, got into the idea. Well, it's not as complicated as it seems. So that's usually how I started. And then what was next? I applied all these principles. So I started looking for quarterly reports on my own. And so I wanted to find companies that haven't been dis uh, discovered yet, that have an accelerating growth uh, phase, that have accelerating profits. So, and the, the, I mean, the fastest way was actually by by reading the quarterlies. And that's something I preach to everybody. I mean, you probably know a lot of people, if you ask them, how do you generate ideas? They're going to tell you, I'm reading A to Z. And I, I'm not sure if, I think it's, uh, it's not the best way to approach this. Not at least not the most efficient way, and just my opinion. Maybe some other people will tell you some some different stories. But companies change over time, so they sometimes uh, the revenues grow, the profits grow, so they become cheaper if the price stays the same. Sometimes you have change in management. Sometimes I don't know you have change in ownership, and everything changes. I mean on a daily rate on a daily basis. I mean even the price changes. So. If you look at a company for today, it might be too expensive. But if you look one year later, a lot of stuff might happen. A lot of stuff have changed. And it might be looking more appealing at this time than a year before. And that's something I I, I put a lot. I So that's part of my, uh, my current framework that I've included. So usually I do a lot of AIM market investing. And I flip just for all these AIM companies. I, I remember I've been probably seeing some of the same companies uh, for, for several years, just reading the, 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 the trading updates. And at some point I was like, well, the business looks different today, considering the price, the ownership, than it was like three years ago when I was, and I've passed uh, right away on this business. So that's usually uh, some of the things that come to, up to my mind as of now. Absolutely. There's a lot to dig in there, but I think to kind of simplify everything that you just said, it's really the importance of, you said that ultimately you realized that, you know, small micro cap investing is really no different than large cap investing. And it sounds like the reason you came to that conclusion was, oh, you know, it's just a matter of applying a framework, you know, like once you kind of are able to distill that, all right, this is how I can sift through and find the, you know, diamonds in the rough or some of the more quality ideas out there is to say, hey, um, let me find a framework that kind of works for me pick out some of the things that I really like from it, apply it to some of the other things that I've also learned over the years. And that way I can potentially find some, you know, uh, maybe some quality ideas amongst it, it, And just, just using North American numbers. I mean, there's, you know, 14 to 16,000 names that you have to kind of go through to, you know, uh, <laughs> to find something that you actually want to dig into. So you really need that framework in order to actually, have a shot because otherwise you're just kind of you know you're kind of swimming up river without a paddle you know and just kind of like you know almost you need some kind of adderall just to find some focus because there's so many different places <laughs> you could easily go down and and you know not ultimately you know yeah you're going to be turning over a bunch of rocks but you're you're there's no real learning there's no process because you don't have a framework in mind so i think i i think that kind of distills down to basically why you 
not just looked at this framework specifically from small cap discoveries, but just in general, the need for having a framework if you're going to look at this area in general. I, I think in general, you need a framework for whatever you do, especially when it comes to investing. Um, uh, considering my, my when I started out, uh, my framework was completely different. So I did some from A to Z and uh, I was looking at all the large caps. I was looking at all the recommendations. And it was very hard to make money, to be fair. And the reason was pretty simple. You just buy the same stuff everybody is buying. Right. And it's usually, it's, it's, it was never cheap. It was, I don't know, very, I, I would say it's more, more, most of the time it was, it was expensive. Right. So, and um, I realized that the only way to, to, to find something cheap is really to be one of the first uh, who discovers something, who sees some, some changes in a business. And there's no other way. I guess, besides following a company or discovering something very, very early. And as I mentioned, the, the, the supply and demand um, of shares is very important why those opportunities exist. Absolutely. And so let's, you know, you started getting into the framework itself. I figured let's, why not dive in a bit deeper? You know, you, you kind of started getting into it a little bit with, um, and, and in the tweet thread, you say you, you break it down into five key stages. And this is actually a, a framework that goes through the entire, almost the, basically your whole life cycle, more or less of, you know, the, when you find the stock, you ultimately invest in it, what you're looking for when you think it might be time to sell. And then, you know, once you ultimately do sell, what happens afterwards, right? So um, just to lay it out for everybody, the five stages that you outlined is one, the pre-discovery phase, two is there, you find a catalyst, three, uh, retail, um, basically when retail discovers it as well, uh, institutional, um, is four and then five is post discovery. So, you want to quickly go through each of these stages and and itself, and then we'll go from there. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, I think it's not that complicated. So, pre discovery is usually the phase where uh, the the shares are still trading cheaply. No one has discovered the company. So, it usually, uh, let's say it's after an IPO, um, the prospects didn't go well to so the company, uh, so there was a lot of selling. And you have a lot of legacy shareholders still owning shares, but I just can't get rid of them. So, but the business is still might be not performing as as expected um, at, at the day of the IPO, but it's still catching up with fundamentals. You have still a lot of changes within the business. So that's usually a pre-discovery phase. So the catalyst is the second phase. That's the moment where a company becomes interesting. So maybe uh, it turns around. It's the first. It's the first quarter where it's profitable. Maybe the, the revenue growth starts to accelerate. Maybe the margins start to improve. Maybe you have a new manager, new CEO, um, whatever it is, could be a new product. So I, I don't know. So that's usually the, the catalyst phase. It's where something changes in the business and you start as an investor being excited. So that's the moment where you read this quarterly report or this uh, annual report, whatever it is, maybe even that 8K Um there's there's a lot of uh, opportunities for that. So that's the catalyst. So that's where it becomes exciting, where the first people start to look at the business. Usually when the catalyst is happening, um, you start thinking about uh, so how well discovered is the business. By the way, you asked me about how this framework influenced my my own framework today. And that was part of uh, part of what I'm thinking today as well. So how well is it discovered? Maybe, maybe that's one of the reasons why it's why it's cheap. Maybe no one is talking about this business. Maybe no one is seeing what I see. And that's everything that Utah tried to include in the catalyst. 
So when you talk about micro micro caps invest in uh, micro micro cap companies, you usually have the issue that they're too small for uh, institutionals. So the first buyers are usually retail investors. So that's the third phase that we are talking about now. So when the the, the usually the multiples start to expand. So the whole process is really about multiple expansion. So when the catalyst uh, comes in, they usually trade at a lo very low mu low multiples. The business is still performing; it's growing. So over time, you have uh, that uh, retail investors start to 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 acknowledge this business. They start to spend more time researching the company, put uh, put out write ups on the company, and that's how the company slowly becomes discovered, and people start to pay up for this business. So the share price appreciates. The price to earnings multiple increases. The business still performs, and at some point, uh, the the business becomes big enough that institu institutionals become interested into the company. So that's the fourth phase, and that's usually where you try to get out of the company. The reason is pretty simple. Um, usually, that's where the institutionals start to bid up the price to an unreasonable multiple, and the company's price for perfection. And what it means is usually there can go a lot of things wrong and a, a small disappointment will have a huge impact on the on the on the multiple. So you will see a lot of multiple contraction. And that's usually the the, the point where you want to start selling. So and, and if you're in the post discovery, that's the last um, the last phase. That's usually the the, the part where the where you, you, you don't want to own any shares anymore. So the the peak is already over and now it's all, everything about more or less um, operate, uh, how do you call it? So about execution, that the business executing as investors expect, and that's usually involving a lot of risk. And I believe that most of the margin of safety is already gone when you're looking for, for uh, yeah, if you're in this phase. Um, I think what's important about this discovery phase is uh, that it's usually not a one year time frame, but it could be for several years until something is fully discovered. Um, that's the whole discovery process. Very good. You know, I, I, on the fourth stage, you know, I think this is, you know, if if, if everybody probably went by this framework a hundred percent, you know, I think uh, there'd be a lot of selling of Expel, probably like a buck fifty, right? Like uh, <laughs> everybody missed out on the massive, massive win that that was. Um, so actually, I want to. That's where I want to go with this because I, I think this is a great, simple, easy to understand framework. That at a minimum, like this is where you can kind of at least get your start of like, all right, these are the maybe where if I want to look for companies that um, I'd say more or less fit a model that is at least okay if you're not going to speculate on like pre-revenue stuff right okay if you're not going to speculate on some of the more like you know mining junior mining or healthcare names or kind of growthy industry stuff like this is probably the type of framework that you really want to adopt and in, in, if you're looking for something simple but like once you do get to that like stage four institutional you know yeah it you know in some respects it might be when you want to sell but also you know if you're doing the the proper research you might think like all right well now that the institutions have discovered it like is this time maybe to double down or is this a time where, you know, there's still so much runway for this business? Because sometimes these institutions, let's say you're invested in some of these micro caps that are, you know, nano cap land and the 10 million market cap or 20 million market cap, 
they finally get discovered by institutions once they're at the 50 million market cap because some of them have that kind of you know frame or, or some of these funds have that framework where like they don't even look at anything less than 50 million but let's say they finally get discovered and they get some institutional ownership at that level you know in some ways does that break this framework or how do you rethink you know um whether or not that idea is worth maybe hanging on for even longer because there is more runway there it's not just going to peak at being a 50 million market cap company or 60 million i'm sure those institutions don't want that either right um yeah i mean that's a good question to be fair and uh, i think it's always you have to analyze uh, i mean the upside and the downside that's i mean what you have to think about and i think the most underestimated risk is multiple contraction and you see it a lot of i mean i'm not a big fan of of growth at a reasonable price to be fair and one of the reasons is i don't like to overpay for stuff for i mean don't, don't like to pay for growth and because in my opinion if you want to have a real margin of safety you try to 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 pay a low multiple for whatever company it is um so if you think about i don't know it's i mean the, the it's, i mean the question is always what do you believe is the company worth so and what multiple should you trade at um and you from there you usually start thinking about the future okay maybe i got this company I bought it at 10 times earning was growing at 20, 20, 20 uh, percent annually in, in profits. And suddenly it was bidding up to, to, I don't know, 30 times earnings. And then you start thinking, okay, it's, it's still growing by 20 percent. But uh, my, my guts tell me it's, it should be worth no more than 20 times. So I have a multiple contraction risk of 33 percent. So I could lose free 33 percent right away. And, uh, who knows how the future will look like they still continue to to grow by 20 percent so that might be i had a, i had a few of those uh, opportunities in the past where something was bid up to, to 30 times free cash flow i just didn't felt comfortable holding anymore i mean it's you never hit you will never be right i mean not 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 in all the all cases sometimes you will sell too early uh maybe sometimes too late so you have to find a framework where you believe that you will have an on average you will be right um and that was uh, yeah that's usually for me so it's whenever i don't feel comfortable about the multiple considering the the growth prospects anymore or the quality of the business uh there's no reason to hold so i would never double down when i believe the company is too expensive so usually i would even consider there like uh free clusters so cluster one is where a business is very cheap that's where you consider buying even more. Um, so then you come into, I would say, to, to, uh, to in a cluster of fair value. So where you believe, okay, the company is fairly valued. So um, there's not much multiple contraction risk, but uh, not much upside from, 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 from multiple expansion. And so that's where you can think, okay, should I buy more or should I sell or should I, if I have a better opportunity or I should, should I just keep my shares? And then you get just into a level where it gets just too expensive, uh, where you just have to think about, okay, I, I don't think this business is fair. It's, it's too expensive for the quality, for the growth prospects. And there's just no reason to, to buy anymore, but you should definitely consider selling. And yeah, that's usually how I think about this. It's, there's no right or wrong. I think at the end, uh, sometimes you will be right. Sometimes you will be wrong. But on average, you should just be feel, feel comfortable with, with uh, I mean, you should just try to to have a point why you're doing, why you're selling or why you're buying. 
Absolutely. So, so Paul, you know, another question that I have for you when considering this framework, you know, what, how does management and speaking with management, how does that uh, factor into your equation, your analysis? So, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, let me, let me come back to my time at Constellation. Uh, when I, when I worked for Constellation, I learned a lot about operations. So, when I talk to a CEO, I would usually want to, to see how he thinks about the business. So some of the best operators um, I, I ever talked to, you see they have a lot, strong emphasis on, on returns. They have a very good understanding on the business. Uh, you ask them very tough questions, how they make decisions. Uh, I, I talked to, to a German microcap company, for example, and I, I asked the, 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 the CEO, Okay, he was talking about he was doing an investment. Uh, in, he was developing a software solution, which he has no clients for. And I was like, why do you do that? Why why do you spend money on something you have no customers for? And so the 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 response was, yeah, just in case we will be have having something in the future. I think it's it's not a good response because uh, I usually don't like visionary CEOs. Um, I like someone who thinks about about the capital and how he allocates it. Um, uh, I, I talked to another CEO, uh, what was current, one of my current holdings, uh, where the CEO put uh, pu pulled out some of the employees from one project into another, just which is more high margin. So he reduced the top line, um, uh, just to put get the, the the employees into the business. So I, I care a lot about uh, CEOs that think more about what's the best return that I can generate for this company on the projects I have. And they're not just not wasting money on, on whatever whatever they have in, in their minds. So I, when I talk to CEO, I usually talk a lot about all the departments, how is this, how is your uh, sales and marketing structured, uh, how do you incentivize your people, uh, how do you think about price increases, how do you think about price increases, uh, if you expand in a new market, uh, what's the decision for that, how do you make the calculations, um, how do you, I mean, when would you pull out from this project? So it's really about capital allocation. Uh, that's what I want to see from a from a good operator. Uh, I still make mistakes sometimes. Uh, I I don't put that much of emphasis on the management, and uh, I always regret doing that. But sometimes stuff is just too cheap. Uh, uh, I I say, well, let, let's see. Maybe it will not not unfold as bad as I expect with this management. Um, yeah, that's usually how I think about it. And I think especially if you consider microcaps in general. Uh, management is one of the most important factors, especially if you want to hold for the long term as everything, uh, how, how do you call it? I mean, the success rate improves drastically with, with the good, with the right operators. And yeah, that's, that's, I think that's very important part, part of my equation as of today. Absolutely. So love to get, uh, you know, maybe an anecdote you know, from, from your own in investing experience that where you applied aspects of this framework and either it worked out or, you know, converse, let's do the worked out first. And then maybe we can do the, the other side of the coin where, you know, maybe you miss, you, you miss something. So lo love to hear an anecdote there. Yeah, sure. I mean, there are, there are a few. Uh, so I started, I really started microcap investing after seeing that uh, discovery process by, by, by the, those two guys and i remember it was i i, I can't remember what year it was exactly 2018 i think, uh, I think it was 2016 
I think I might have been yeah. there. I was there in person seeing that presentation, actually. I know, no, not the presentation. I've seen oh. the presentation in 2017 or 18. I don't oh, know okay. Oh, okay. when it was. Um, I just remember that I started changing my whole process after after seeing the presentation. And so I I don't know why, but I found uh, excitement researching the AIM market. I think it's just because it's, uh, yes, I think around about 2,000 companies on the AIM market. So it's it's big enough to to find enough uh, opportunities, but not too big enough, uh, not too big that you get uh, buried in all the all the filings. You don't need a prescription for Adderall. Got it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, and there was this company it was called Motorpoint M O T R. Uh, it's a so it's a car dealership business. At this time, I remember it was closely after Brexit. The it IPO'd closely before Brexit, then came Brexit. The business, I think, declined like 50%. And so I, I, I picked up one of the annual reports, which was just reported that day. And what was very interesting, I figured out this business trading at, uh, at a huge discount. It was trading at around about seven seven times earnings. Uh, I was expect, expecting around about 12% earnings growth. And I was so I was just, I didn't understand why it was so, so cheap. And... Um, in hindsight, if you think about it, it was exactly this situation. You had a lot of shareholders from the IPO who started selling the business who have not been happy about. So, so yeah, they started selling the business. The, the share price was depressed. The owners started actually buying shares after um, after the share price collapsed. And yeah, I found this company seven times and I decided, okay, it's way too cheap and it should be worth at least, I don't know, it should be worth more than it is as of now. And it unfolded kind of, kind of very good. It was, it took me like I think six months or something for a seventy percent return. And uh, it's, it's not the typical discovery process, but at least uh, the important thing about this story is that it, you're able to find even multiple arbitrage opportunities in terms of buying the dollar for I don't know fifty cents, um, just because no one else is picking up the business uh, right now. Um, Another opportunity I had was, I think it's one of my largest shareholdings right now is Kinovo uh, from the UK. Uh, I'm a shareholder, by the way, just for full disclosure. And and Motorpoint, are you still a shareholder or are you? No, no, I, I sold it out after six months. So, so after it appreciated by 70%, I sold it out. So there was no no reason to hold anymore. Nice. Um, nice. Yes. Yeah, so then there was i mean kinova was another one um i've been following this company i wasn't following this company but i was picking up the 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 quarterly i mean not quarterly so you have trading updates you have half year reports and if annual reports in the uk so and so i picked up the first annual report i remember the business was trading around about three times free cash flow it was very small around about 11 uh, 11 million in market capitalization I don't know why, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't buy any shares at this time. It was, uh, yeah. It's, so, but one year later, I picked up another report. So, and I've seen that the business was uh, suddenly trading at 20, 20 million. So it depreciated around about I don't know 80, 80, 90 percent. And it was the second time. This was that was the moment I started became excited. So the business wasn't trading anymore three times, but more like closer to six times. But you have seen a lot of improvements in the company. You had a lot of uh, revenue came in. The, the margins improved. They closed down bad businesses or bad projects, and so that was part of the. And the business was was just in a. In a that was a catalyst for me at least 
So I couldn't find any write-ups. I think it was the, I was the very first person writing up this company. Uh, there was no one writing about that on, on, on Twitter, maybe one more person, but that's it. So, and it was a very good opportunity at this time. I believe uh, I researched the CEO who was doing an incredible job in his previous position. Uh, and he was applying the same playbook more or less to, to Kinovo. And yeah, I think now it's, now it's more in the retail phase where, uh, it's a very cheap, but I think it's now in the retail phase where more and more people will over time uh, recognize that's actually a good business. So that's that's a second example. Another one was APG, uh, API Group uh, in, in the US. Now, I don't, know, I don't own any shares. So, and so I, I remember that was a quarterly report I've read. So it was a spec at this time. Uh, Martin Franklin was the, the the guy who executed the deal. He paid around, I think, 10 times. Uh, so the business was trading at around 10 times free cash flow, but was heavily, heavily uh, indebted, and uh, which was one of the reasons uh, why it was so cheap on the market. And it was a very good business. And I remember the, the financials have been a little bit messy, so you have to adjust some, some financial numbers. And after that adjustments, you could see that uh, the business was actually profitable. And was trading, uh, I don't know, even below 10 times free cash flow for, for a very large company. I think it was more closely to 2.2 billion market capitalization. But you have no analyst coverage. You had uh, no one talking about this business. And yeah, it was just close, I, I think half a year after the, the spec merger. And I, I most of the, 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 the good investments that I made have been usually multiple arbitrage in the past where I just bought something cheap and then sold after some appreciation. I tried to switch more into, into buy and hold uh, philosophy, at least for, for a longer time frame than just one or two years. Uh, yeah, it's, that's more or less some of the, where I try to apply at least the, 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 the research framework for uh, generating ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's probably actually a good point to make about this framework is that you can, you know, any sort of time frame can apply here, right? It can be, you know, uh, maybe at first glance when you read the framework, it's like, oh, this is like a short, like six months, two year hold, you know, buy and hold time. Or, you know, this could be a five to 10 year hold time where, you know, it's still taking a while for the idea to mature, right? Um, I mean, at, at the end, it's always uh, a combination of, of growth and price, you know, and and quality of the business. So, uh, and yeah, some of it's just you don't have much growth, but it trades at a high free cash flow yield. So there's no reason to to hold after depreciated. Um, sometimes you find something cheaper with more growth, so you consider selling it. But there was, I guess, for most of the cases, uh, I think the most important thing is really to find stuff early, no matter what what the situation is. If it's a buy and hold, or if you just think about, uh, I don't know, a holding period of one year and just uh, sell it, I mean, buying dollar for 50 cents, uh, whatever it is. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in thinking about the other side of the coin, you know, um, when maybe you have an anecdote of where, you know, you, you know, you applied the framework, you thought, okay, like this is it. It seems like more often than not, that would probably come down to like, all right, you take a look at the valuation. You're like, oh, this is cheap. Why is it trading so cheap? You know, like maybe I take a small starter just to kind of follow along. But it seems like probably the part that most would probably trip up if you applied this framework is misunderstanding what the catalytic events might be, right? Because there's so many different companies where, you know, they'll put out that press release and you think, oh, here we go. 
catalyst done you know they got that big you know big logo cu cu uh, customer now on 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 board and here we go but when you read the fine print you know oh that five-year you know 50 million dollar deal it's like well actually you know they're only deploying you know small little taste to start and then you know there's probably some stipulations within that contract that ultimately like let's say things don't work out or they find someone better you know that bigger client ends up you know cutting that deal and you know that was just kind of a fake out you know in, in some ways so love to hear from your experience what have been some of the i guess false starts or you know negative experiences where you thought okay like i know i applied my framework correctly here but for one reason or another, it just didn't work out. Um, there are usually a few factors. One of them is overpaying. So one of few few cases where I've just overpaid for an asset. And that's probably the, the, the biggest mistake. I, I mean, that's the most common mistake. It's usually just paying too much for a business. I remember I bought this right. company called Argentex. Uh, when I bought it, I was trading around 20 times earnings. But it's past growth rates have been like 30, 30% plus. So I thought, well, it's, I mean, so it's, yeah, it was closely after COVID. And so, and I thought, well, it's, uh, they will accelerate. So I, I applied my framework at the end. The problem was that the growth never came in the same, the same speed as in the past, the margins declined. So the, the I mean, the, the conclusion was I overpaid for that asset. That's one of the, the problems that you see. Um, the best, I mean, just getting best to the best ideas I had is usually don't pay too much for a business. That's the, I mean, that's the number one rule. rule. Uh, price is everything when it comes to investing. No matter what the quality of a business is, no matter what the growth press prospects is, don't overpay for a company. You have a good margin of safety. In this, uh, I mean, that saves you a lot of money. Um, another problem is not just overpaying for growth, but sometimes it takes much longer than expected. Now, one of my smaller positions that I still own is, for example, Novan Beer. Uh, it's a very small UK micro cap, around 11 million in market capitalization, but it's a very small, small part of my portfolio. I just like to track it and, and see it's more learning experience um, where you have a new owner who's trying to optimize the business for, for capital allocation. But it's I'm now for, for two years with the company. I'm still in a, I still have a small loss. Uh, it's it's very cheap. Cheap. I think trading around about uh, three times EV for cash flow, but uh, yeah, it takes much longer to to execute on this capital allocation strategy. So the the second problem is usually time that you have. Um, yeah. Besides that, I I can't say much. The third one is usually uh it's management where you have a bad, exec bad execution in general, someone who doesn't understand capital allocation, where you just have to be afraid that they might burn the cash uh, that is currently on the balance sheet. Um, so even when I've been early in all of those, let's say in two of those three investments, so in Northern Beer and the, the third one would be a GE group, for example, from, from the US where I still own shares, um, you still can get a lot of stuff wrong. It's usually overpaying for, for a company or bad execution, or as I mentioned, sometimes just takes much longer than expected. Absolutely. And real quick on our Gentex, I'm, I'm assuming you're not a shareholder anymore. No, I sold out. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. All right. So, I mean, look, I think we covered quite a bit with regard to the, the framework that, you know, was the original inspiration here. Is there any final thoughts on that tweet thread or anything that you want folks to, to better understand about it? Anything we missed? 
Uh, to to be fair, I don't, I don't know right now. Um, I think they covered most of 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 the, at least what came up to my mind right away. I think they you can talk for hours if if you wanted to, but uh, yeah, I think that's that's close. I think most of it. So, Paul, we're we're pretty much there. You know, I I so appreciate all your insights that you you shared with us today. Kind of digging deeper into the thread. You know, my my final question for you here today is there. You know, is there any lessons or final uh thoughts that you want folks to you know take away from this interview or maybe some uh, suggestions for newer microcap investors out there that you know if they're looking to get started or maybe approve on their or they're still working on improving their process you know some final words there yes uh happy to add some uh, i think the process is the most important thing for for every investor and uh, people should definitely work on the process and try to learn as much as possible especially if you're in, uh, very early in your career and one way to do that uh, i recommend it to everybody who is asking me how to do what's the best way to learn investing it's usually first of all don't don't have a concentrated portfolio and try to have 15 companies 15 to 20 companies uh, equally sized um, then try to make a model for all of them try to forecast the next 12 months for the for the cash flow for the earnings for the balance sheet uh, whatever makes sense so not always makes sense for the balance sheet but at least for cash flow and, and, and earnings and then you just have to to check by quarter uh, and i always always check uh, every quarter how did the financials developed uh, what would have been your assumptions, uh, adjust your model. And by that, you see a lot of events happening. If you cover like 15 to 20 companies, uh, you see a lot of fuck-ups, you see a lot of uh, success stories. And um, you see a lot of, you will, you will sometimes overestimate revenue growth, underestimate revenue growth, overestimate margins, and, and the same in the other direction. Uh, same for profit, cash flow. And you will, over time, you will learn more about what's the best way to forecast all this and uh you will learn a lot about business models why did the margins decline why did it increase um how is the salesforce structure why did they manage to win a 40 40 million i don't know why did how did they manage to grow the revenue by 40 percent for example and uh, i think it's more about uh keeping the learning curve um uh, steep or in, in the first years by really not focusing on on returns but really focusing on 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 learn on, on on improving that's uh one of the things um the the second thing is i would definitely recommend to everybody who is starting out to to copy copy great investors especially i would say micro cap investors um, figure out who of them are good try to understand uh, more about valuation. I think uh, it was jo Joel Greenblatt who was saying, um, uh, do good valuation work in the market will eventually agree with you. And it's really about, everything is about valuation. So you have to become good at valuation and you should just try to copy more or less other successful investors, try to understand their mental models, how they do approach uh, all this uh, forecasting stuff, how they analyze companies. And that's, in my opinion, that's how I learned investing. I learned from from all these great guys. I mean, on Twitter, on all these blogs, I re read a lot of those uh, investment letters. I think it's a good source to to become definitely and much better at, at this whole part. Very good. All right, well, Paul, with that, where can our audience go and find more information to hear your insights or read your insights? Follow you on social media. What what are what's your handle? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you introduced me at the beginning. It's uh, I'm usually on Twitter, so it's uh, investment, I-D-E-E-N. So whoever wants to reach out, I'm, I'm always happy to chat. If someone needs help, uh, feel free to reach out to me as well. So yeah, it's uh, that's, I mean, the easiest way to get in touch. Very cool. All right, well, Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. Good luck, stay safe. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Yes.